Hi, I'm Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Queer Teen Podcast. I'm super excited about my next guest. I've got to know them recently and they're going to tell you a little bit about themselves and then we're going to get into it. Take it away. Hi everybody, this is Dixie Crystals and I hail from the great state of Denver, Colorado. Um, And I'm just happy to be here to talk with you today. Great, great, great. And uh, Dixie Crystal is a drag queen if you all didn't figure that out. Um, (laughs) How long have you been doing drag? Or how? Oh my gosh, this is 24 years this year. Always Dixie? Uh, I have always been Dixie, yes. That's great. Oh, because sometimes I never went through a name change. You've always been Dixie. Why Dixie Crystals? Well, it was a sugar packet and it was easy. And I was sweet as iced tea. So that's where I got my name from was the sugar packets. Oh my God, that is a sugar packet. I didn't even make that connection. That's so funny. Yes, I back in the day when I worked at Disney, we were sitting there one night and uh, they were like, well, you need a drag name if you're going to dress in women's clothing. I was like, OK, whatever. And I had a glass of sweet tea and to kick it up a little bit. I was like, the little sugar packets were there and it was Dixie Crystals. And so that's how my name got started. And it's just stuck ever since. I love that story. That's really cool. Just so everybody knows, uh, you can't see this, but Dixie uh, lives in Aurora, Colorado, next to Denver, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. And uh, her house is amazing. It is <laughs> basically stuck in time with just beautiful decorations from the 60s, 70s mix of things. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, it's like literally taking out, it's like stuck in time, but not because it's also like updated. You know that will be. Yes. Up, right? Yeah. Um, so what brought you to Denver, Colorado? Oh, gosh. I was working on cruise ships at the time. And in 2007, I finished my stint and ships and I was done with it, really. So I went back to work at Disney and uh, my husband, we were just kind of talking about it because I spent like the last nine months in Alaska. And I was like, you know, the mountains are beautiful. And like, let's figure out. And like, if you really want to move, like, let's look where we want to go. And he grew up here in Colorado and Denver specifically. And so we came to Denver for about two, no, we were here for a week. And we had decided at that time that we were going to move. We hired a realtor that would just take us around to houses and literally bought the next to the last house that we were looking at that day. We saw 23 houses in one day. That's crazy. It was crazy. It was so crazy. I fell in love with it as soon as we got off the airplane. It was like, I mean, you know what you know, like, because Jason and I just did that because we moved to Philly and we saw like, I think like 20 houses in like less than 48 hours. And, but we knew the one. And then we were like, we want that one. And I don't care what it takes, but we're getting that house. So, yeah. You're like, this is the one that I'm going to live in. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. Um, what? So, okay. So now, everybody, we, uh, met through this amazing organization called Dragutant, and I'll let you explain Dragutant better than I would explain it. Go for it. Sure. What is Dragutant? 
So Dragon Taunt is a uh, nonprofit that was started by a mom and another mom and a drag queen. Uh, <laughs> and it really started out of the need. Robin, who's was uh, had a, has a son, and at the age of thirteen, they came up to the to Robin and said, "I want to have a drag queen birthday for my thirteenth birthday party." Well, everything is you know twenty one and over, and so it was kind of hard to be able to do that. But she had called the our local Hamburger Marys, and they were doing a show that night that's with dinner, so they approved and said that it was okay. Um, and then our local nightclub, Tracks, which is known for having what's called Drag Nation. It's like their big monthly drag show that they bring in RuPaul girls. And it's a big spectacle. And it's usually about 20 entertainers that are just back to back to back. And so that's when, who is now Ophelia Peaches uh, and is now six, 17 years old. Um, so they got the idea to create this and they met Ginger. And so Ginger became her drag mother, Ginger Douglas. And uh, so uh, Robin and another mother who had a, had a son that was also interested in doing drag, they decided, well, let's do something for our kids because there's no all ages shows for kids to perform at. So let's create something in Denver. And so Ginger's good friend, she was like, I, Ginger was like, I really want to make it like a debutante ball where it's like not something that's a competition. It's something that people and families and kids can just get together and enjoy each other's company and have a day where they get to meet each other. And then the end of the day is their grand performance. And so a good friend of Ginger said, well, why don't you just call it Dragutant? Because you're mixing debutante and drag together. So just call it that as the organization. So they did. And the first year that they had it, was it um, the same thing that we had this year at the Sewell Ballroom, which was a part of our Performing Arts Center. So it's this beautiful, elaborate ballroom that has, you know, staging and, you know, a 500 pound disco ball that swings from the ceiling. I mean, what little kid doesn't love that when they're performing? Oh, um, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. First of all, everybody, I went this past, well, actually no, last year. Um, that's weird to say, but yeah, I went last I know. year and, uh, I, I, I wish everyone could experience this. Just, I got to experience it a, a lot stronger just cause I got to go backstage and talk to the kids and which some of those episodes are coming out or will have already been out by the time this episode comes out. Um, and it's just like, it's like Disney world for drag tweens. Like it's like nothing you could, there's sometimes there's like local things that people do like some once in a while, like the one kid or the two kids want to do drag but this is taking how many 17 or 18 how many people were in that uh this year there were 21 21 eight the youngest i think was eight and the right and then the oldest yep. i think you can only go up to 18 the oldest 17 yep, up to 18 yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, up to 18. yeah and uh and they all sometimes actually some of them are only that was their first time actually performing live because you know drag these days is also social media drag and you could do the tutorials and the makeup and mm -hmm. um Honey Bun is an example. One of the queens, she's never really performed, but her makeup is like flawless. Exactly. And she's there. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, if everyone could just picture like walking into a back room in a, in a hallway, basically leading up to a stage with a bunch of uh, drag queens. And to explain, they also have, um, not a drag mother i guess it's a drag mama but it's like a mentor with them the whole time yeah a mentorship program so we pair local drag artists with the kids so that they have someone to help them with their makeup that can help them get 
tips and tricks as they're getting ready for the performance. So it's an opportunity for them to really just kind of bond over that piece of it too, because maybe they want to know how to perform better. And so in the instance of Honey Bun, it's like, yes, she wants to perform, you know, as she goes along, but just doesn't have the confidence there yet. So pairing her with a mentor was, you know, crucial because now the parents and the child have someone else to talk to that's in the industry. And that specializes in performance, the performance piece of it. So it gives them a better um, understanding of the reality of it. And it's not just something that they see on TV. Like that's a very different type. That's we're focusing on one area of drag. There's so many different areas in the drag world that, you know, these kids are being exposed to it um, just within this one day of drag. Yeah. One day, like early morning, all the way up until, at least 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, whatever it ends. Let end, yeah, with well, all the things finally hours. Yeah, it's 12 yeah. hours of just drag, which is amazing. Uh, and these kids turn it out. OMG, they are just like so oh amazing. Gosh. And also it's a lesson for the parents because some of the parents don't know what the heck they're doing either. And they're like, I don't no. know. But yeah. some of the dads, like the dads, like like uh, one of the queens, Susan B. Anthony, which is an amazing drag name. Oh yeah. Um, her dad like running to like Walgreens or whatever to get tights and then like yes. hearing advice from people like, oh, this is what you should do. So it's not so like, you know, you can wear double tight, just all the different secrets, like even from, and then a dad receiving it and doing the work and oh God, it's so cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it's always interesting because we think of the mothers, right? obviously being supportive within families, but it's not always that case. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time it's the, it's the fathers that are the most supportive. And so to see them just kind of jumping in and doing what they need to do is, is just always really wonderful to see because not everyone has that experience as a queer kid. And these kids were, by the way, everybody, these kids were from all over. They're not just from Denver, Colorado. So a lot of them are, but like. They came from California, the East Coast, middle of America. Like they came from all over the place. Uh, this year specifically, it was a big one. Yeah. So it was nice. And um, what is the Den- so what's the Denver, Colorado's like drag scene like? For me, what I experienced just quickly is that uh, one, it's a really obviously a fantastic community sense. Everyone was like really came out and like pulled forward, which was really nice. It was actually nice to see a particular organization there, the, the Rainbow Umbrellas, the Umbrella Moms, or whatever mm. they're called. Parasol um, Patrol. Parasol Patrol, which blocks out if there's any negative, um, nasty, uh, mostly religious people uh, that are trying to ruin the event by being jerks. They put up their parasols and block them with rainbows and, and yeah, rainbows, basically. Um, well, so what's the community experience for you like? Um, so Denver, I find, has gotten very saturated with drag, like a lot of big cities have. But what's nice about here is that we have created a community that uh, that is open to everybody who wants to participate in the art of drag. And so there's so many nightclubs, restaurants, bars, breweries, especially. There's so many different venues for people. So it doesn't matter if you are on the spectrum of like a Dragula and you do the weird stuff or if you are a pageant queen. Like there's something for everybody's art form to do it. The, the thing is, is that there's always controversy, obviously, and drama within the drag world. But it's for me, I'm always about what are you doing to support these businesses outside of saying, I want to get hired at your venue? Yeah. Like, are you going there to be a patron? Are you going there to eat or to watch another show or to get a drink or like what it what you have to put some skin in the game too when it comes to wanting to get hired somewhere? Why would I hire you at my venue if you've never stepped foot in my doors? Like, 
People don't really it's get crazy. that. It's interesting too, because if I'm not going to be able to do what I can't do, you certainly can't do what you're going to be able to do. So then we, therefore we actually can't cultivate a culture where we right. actually like embody each other and like support each other. Like Jason and I, my husband and I, you know, you know, Jason, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, we always talk about that. It's like, we have to show up. You have to show up. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter. Like you have to show up for the person on your off day. You need to go support the business. You need to, um, I mean, you don't need to do anything, but you're not going to get it back if you don't um, actually do that. You just won't. It'll exactly. eventually, even if you start off, no, you, I don't actually know. It's not true. You won't actually get it back. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And, and it starts to fizzle away and people don't realize that. And then they're like, well, why didn't I get hired? Or why aren't they bringing me? And why aren't they doing that? Well, maybe you're difficult to work with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the word has gotten out. Like when I have new people reach out to me for shows that I produce, I'm always asking my trusted drag sisters that also are producers and say, hey, I have this person, I've not heard of them before. You know, what do you know about them? And people will just give it to me, you know, shoot it to me straight because I don't want to hire somebody that's going to make me look bad or no. to make the rest of the entertainers look bad. Well, yeah. And like, whatever, if, if not, if not everyone that's listening, if, they, if you've never been to like a drag event, specifically an event, like, you, like uh, Dixie said, they do have like 20 drag queens sometimes come. So it's just back to back drag. Uh, and you should be tipping all of them, even if it's like a dollar or two. Yes. To just be respectful for the environment that you're in and not, um, how do I say this? Uh, <laughs> not pull a bachelorette party field type thing to it. Uh, yes. That will cause some problems. Yeah, it's a, this this world of RuPaul's Drag Race, right? So it's Denver's become saturated. Of course it has, absolutely. People are like, oh, yeah. myself and them, and now I can do it. They've, had, they've give, been given permission to be them, to do more with yep. what they feel like they should do, which is fantastic. However, with that being said, you are someone who's been there, uh, well, been there before, oh, like a little bit before Drag Race, really. So you were doing yeah. drag, but in Denver, you were there, because uh, how long is Drag Race? 15 seasons. Yeah, let's you see, were just I've been there when it was. This is 14 years in Denver. Oh, so you literally were there when Drag Race was starting. Okay. So I started because Nina Flowers was the first uh, on the first season. And yeah. she is the person who basically built tracks that's here. Oh, cool. And oh, awesome. And invested invested into the nightclub that was small. Yeah. And because she was a contestant, it, you know, it expanded the whole realm of Denver and what is here to offer as far as the drag scene. That is so... Cool. I didn't know that. That's see, like that's the stuff I didn't. I didn't know. That's really cool. Now let's talk a little bit about some of the fun things that you do do with your drag. Um, other than dragaton, by the way, everybody, and I'm just gonna say this while you're on because I've said it to everybody that I've met. You are basically the patriarch and the like the debutante of that uh, event. Not that your counterpart um, uh, is not. I just there's just there's just uh, this appeal and this. Uh, this ability that you bring people into you instead of pushing against, which a lot of people do when they perform, if they're nervous, if they, it's, it's, you know, it's yeah. Um, you don't do that. You're amazing. You are an amazing singer as well. Oh, Can you hold on one so second. One second. I have to kill me. Yeah. Give me one second. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so you're an amazing person that brings in. So what other things do you do? Um, I know you do charity work and I know you do this amazing yeah. Christmas thing we need to talk about because I think it's epic. Uh, tell us a little bit of your uh, what you do there. I, I like to do a little bit of the, the things that people turn and push away. 
because I, I think that a lot of drag entertainers, I've gotten to a certain age. I just had a birthday last week, proudly 48 years old. Like I'm done with the bar scene. I'm done. Thank you. I'm done, you know, saying my call time is 11 p.m. I'm like, no, how about the 11 a.m. brunches? Then I'm there all day, Rosé. I don't need this 11 p.m. shit anymore. Like, that's not my style. But I love doing weird, the weird stuff. Like, I'm an officiant. And so I've done, like, I was the very first officiant drag entertainer in the state of Colorado four years ago. And people thought I was crazy. Now let's look at how many drag entertainers are That's ordained. Kind of crazy. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, now it's like, everyone's- oh yeah, they were just like, I can't believe, like, how many? What are you gonna do? Like, what do you charge? I'm like, I'm not gonna tell you what I charge, but I'm gonna, I'm, I'm doing it because people ask me to do it, and so why wouldn't I look into it? Like, of it's those types of things. I just love doing all of those, the weird stuff. Like, I love being able to have time to spend with people. You know, I've done a lot of, you know, birthday parties and I've delivered, you know, divorce papers to people before. It's just. Well, that one, uh, that one's at the top of the list. Wow. That's at the top of my list. But it's just, you know, it's those things that it's like, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I mean, Dixie is the business. And so it's like, what are those things that are out there? And so I, I kind of mix my love of everything. I love Christmas. I love the Golden Girls. I love singing. I love acting. I love doing drag. You know, it's all those things mixed together that it allows me and people seek me out because they're like, ooh, we've heard through the grapevine that you're great at captivating your room. So we're looking for an MC for our charity event. And so would you be willing to come and host our event? Sure, let's do it. You know, I do a lot of stuff with silent auctions and help raise money for organizations. And it's just, I mean, I have the gift of gab. And to keep an audience, because I can read an audience. I think that's the difference between drag entertainers that are theater trained and drag entertainers that just did it because they saw it on TV. You give them a microphone. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of the new queens on this scene here are getting hosting gigs. And I'm like, no, don't let them do that because they can't they can't do it when I give them a microphone when I'm changing to do it. They're just like. And I'm like, oh God, no. I know. People actually don't quite understand uh, the work or value or actually the the hosting ability. Like it's a real talent. Like luckily Jason and I both have that. So anything we ever do, you can hear me a mic in a room of 10,000 people and I will just, I can talk to them for an hour. Like I don't have a problem doing that. We can get to know each other. Like I don't think it's, but that's also a skill. It's a skill set that like you have to really work on but coming off of the YouTube or, or just actually just doing, cause you can just do gigs. and like, you show up, you do a number or two or three and then you don't talk, you just do your number and then you leave. Right. Um, but yeah, move, read the room. Cause some people don't read the room and you're like, read the room. It's not working. No. And then they just dig themselves into a hole of their bad jokes. And I'm just like, no, oh. it's not working. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But yeah, but yeah, it's a, you know, it's a grand skill actually that, a lot of little people just don't have drag or not drag. It's just the thing people can't do. Yeah. And I prefer it. Like in my, as I get older, I prefer more hosting and emceeing and, you know, being in front of the room and being in charge of it rather than doing the performance piece of it. Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so much it's fun. Good control that well, control that we think we have, but it's a fun control. Yep. Like it's something that, because I'm a type of, like, I have to feel like I have to control everything. Um, yeah. 
but if I'm doing the hosting and the and with the Golden Gaze NYC, we do like I feel like at least I sense I have a, a place I can like bring everyone to, um, and we can get there together. But um, sure. What uh, so just explain a little bit about the Christmas thing that because I'm obsessed with and uh, what's that? It's a huge event. You can explain that happened in Colorado. Yes. Yes. So Camp Christmas is the name of this uh, immersive theater Christmas explosion is what I call it. Um, so this year I was fortunate enough to work on the design team and I actually created 27 headpieces. Gorgeous headpieces. Oh, they were so much fun to do. And um, it a, a local artist, his name is Lonnie Hanson, and he has been around in the art scene, oh gosh, I always say for centuries, just as a joke, because you'd think he's like 400 years old at this point in time, but he's probably only in his early 60s or even late 50s. But he used to work as the Neiman Marcus um, head designer of all of their windows worldwide. And he has since then uh, designed for the Houston Zoo Lights for 15 plus years. He, does, he has designed restaurants and buildings that are quirky, you know, looking like a castle, our local clock tower cabaret, he designed the interior for. And so this year, it's a, it was an outdoor and indoor experience uh, at a place called Heritage Park. So they had vintage buildings already on this little kind of, uh, it's an outdoor museum. And so all the buildings are from the 50s and 60s that have been on Colfax here in Denver at some point in time. And then they were craned in to this heritage park to keep the history alive. And so, and a lot of the buildings, like one was a hair salon, that's where I did all the hair pieces for. Uh, there was a cabin, there was an old school house that on one end was a ferry bar that you could get cocktails, but around the whole bar, was all of this fairy woodland and they had a thousand teeny, teeny, tiny fairies everywhere throughout the That's whole thing. So cool. But it, he employed for this particular project this year over 200 artists to, and we started back in August uh, to prepare for the November opening. And so people um, were doing hand, freehand painting of, of Christmas scenes and collecting vintage items and everything that was there was found. Nothing was purchased new except for the lights that were outside, but all the artifacts and all of the set dressings. Uh, we actually had someone join us from Los Angeles that was a set direct, uh, a set scene coordinator for Elf uh, oh, when cool. they did the movie. And so she came in and helped with the finish of the zhuzhing everywhere. Um, so it was interesting to get to work alongside all types of different people. But then what I did uh, is I offered drag queen Christmas tours so people could buy their tickets and then they could hire me for a separate fee. And I showed up and I gave them a two hour tour and there were different bars set up. And so we always started at the bars. They had pun trees everywhere. There's 21 pun trees that you can figure out that are hidden throughout the exhibit. Oh, that's uh, Yeah, there was someone that made 60,000 pounds of gingerbread for Lonnie to create. He worked in a, this little sweet shop studio. He would be there like three, four hours a day creating gingerbread houses. And they were replicas of staples within Denver or also a replica of the entire exhibit that you were going to walk through at that point in time. Um, it was just, I mean, it's one of those things that was just mind blowing. And as I took people through, some people knew about it, but I ended up doing almost 30 tours. Oh, wow. Uh, just during the holiday season, there was one, there were many weekends that I had three tours back to back. And oh, it was wow. just like, 
you know, do a tour done, get, get back out to the front, meet the next group, do the next group. But people just had a good time doing it. And I really just t- talked shit about the exhibit as you would want a drag queen to do. Uh, like yeah. I knew all the insider tricks and tips, but I made it fun. Like, you know, there were some places I was like, can you name, you know, the most expensive item artifact that's in this room that was found? And people would point it out and I'd be like, yeah, I'm like, that's worth a half a million dollars. And people believe me. And it's, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, Great. I have no idea. It could be worth yeah, $2. I have exactly. no idea. It's a dollar like. actually. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, see, that's like, see, kids, if you if you want to do drag, you don't have to just do bars. You can do uh, Christmas tours in one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, art installation, basically, during the holidays um, yeah. in this country. Uh, it's just, uh, well, you are a delight. Um, there's a, um, before I go, I'd like to ask my guests a couple of things. Oh, one, yes. Uh, thank you. First of all, thank you for sharing your experiences and uh, doing drag. But I would like you, if you if you may, uh, give some words of wisdom to my queer youth listeners, specifically queer youth, because um, you work with queer youth. You have. Yeah. We do, stuff. We, do we both do stuff. So that's important. Right. I, I would say the biggest thing that uh, piece of advice that I would give to queer youth is to listen to adults. We, they always tend to not want to listen exactly to what they're saying, but there is a little bit of truth in everything that's being told to them, whether they don't realize it or not. Um, You know, I have the great opportunity to be able to work with kids all the time in youth. And there's a lot of things that I say as a drag queen, because I'm meeting them in drag, that they will listen to me, but it's nothing different than what their parents have said, their guardians, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, like peers. It's nothing different. I'm just, I just happen to be dressed as something that they're related, you know, it's relatable to them. Right. They're seeing it. So it's like, don't be dismissive in your youth because you can take knowledge. Like, I think that's the beauty of the youth that are coming up now is that they're, they're getting away from the old bad habits of constantly pushing adults away and saying, make room for the, for us, the young ones, because we're coming in. It's not always that way. You need to have your mentors. So find somebody that you can trust and that you can talk to and bounce ideas off. Cause it's not always going to be your friends and people, your own age. It may, it's going to be someone that's older than you are, or maybe not, maybe it is someone your, your own age, but ju- you just need to have that sounding board of people that you trust. 100% grab your tribe, uh, whether or not they're an adult, but I mean, like it is true because all of us don't listen as youth <laughs> No, <laughs> because we think we know everything and then we realize we don't. And I was such a shithead when I was a kid and I was like, no, I don't care whatever I'm doing it my way, whatever, I don't care I'm listening to. <laughs> um, which is fine. It's, it's a way of yeah. being. Uh, it's an annoying way of being, but it's in a way of being regardless. So, but yeah, totally. I get it. Listen. My slogan on this is listen, learn, love. And you'll... Uh, yes. Uh, and that's... Uh, and then where can they find you? Uh, so you can find me on Social Bubbles. So I have a website, which is DixieCrystals.com. And Crystals is with a K. Uh, and then I have... I'm on Instagram at Dixie Crystals, Facebook, the Dixie Crystals, Twitter, which I never use except for to put one word things on there, like I'm still here. <laughs> or mic drop, that's my tweet yeah. of the, the, every three months I get on there and do something. Uh, 
but there I'm Crystal's Dixie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm all over social media because I like to promote people and things and places and just to, you know, keep up with the cool kids and make sure to put good information out there because I also put my mouth, you know, where I put my keyboard fingers, you know, if I'm putting positivity out there, I'm also going to have it and put it in the world. Thank you so much, Dixie Crystals. You're so great. Yes, go find Dixie wherever she is. And just a friendly reminder, of course, check out queeruniverse.org, your one-stop shop for all things queer and loving. You can learn about more about me, and you can learn have more, listen to more episodes of the podcast. And of course, you can find out where the comic book is, uh, Queer Universe, a first contact story. You can go ahead and meet my gorgeous aliens, Mel and Igna. So go ahead and find it, available online today. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and thanks for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen, learn, love. 